0: Welcome to getting to the truth in this art on MTR podcast. I'm your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest is the curator. We have chef Justin Holloman. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So let, let's get right into it. You're, so obviously chef is in the title or what have you. So give us the rundown of your work and kind of, if you will, d- describe your philosophy, your style of cooking and maybe three words. Um, So pretty
1: much my style of cooking is out the box, (laughs) out the box. Um, I'm unorthodox. I'm out in a box. I'm out boxed in. um, I believe to be um, multifaceted. Okay. Um, Different in every ethnic and every genre and style of cooking that I love to partake in.
0: So in that, so I would imagine you you're a foodie. I'll be in a chef because it's rare, but you run into it on occasion. Um, chefs that aren't foodies its like I cook a specific thing and that's what I do. So uh, are you more of a foodie or you're a person that travels and you look for what are they doing down here in this region? Are you trying to bring that back in and do your own play on it? How does that work for you?
1: Absolutely correct. Um, I love food, not just what I cook and my um, fellow partners cook. I'm a love food in general. And I love the fellowship that food brings to the fellowship that it brings to the, to the table. So I guess I, when I do travel, I do um, frequent different restaurants, go to different restaurants. And then I, if things that I like, I put my own twist on it. Rather, rather be molecular gastronomy, rather be some be um, just my own flair to different things that I like mm-hmm. um, and people that I look up to. I definitely um, put my own flair to things Just as like I went to ever um, Mission star restaurant for my birthday sure. and was absolutely amazing so when i came back home um it was like a battery in my back to <laughs> step my up to a different notch as well as the entire experience that i had there so um i don't just look at the food per se i look at the entire experience from start to finish from walking into the door until i'm leaving and signing the check i look at the whole entire experience as a whole.
0: So. So this, this brings me to, to, to my question. I'm, I'm a foodie person or what have you. And I, uh, but I'm, I'm not necessarily a purist. I like people that think outside of the box, as you described earlier, but do you feel that, how do you balance something that might be very specific with something that's a little outside of the box? How do you marry those two things? Case in point, we all know a hot dog is a hot dog, right? Right. Or if you're from Baltimore, hot dog, because, you know, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that that's that. So there's a certain structure, there's certain elements that make it what it is. How do you how do you work within those parameters while still putting that that Hallam stamp of approval on it, that curator stamp of approval to make it your own?
1: Um, me, that's a very, very good um, question, um, because I always look at different things to try how I can transform it. OK. for me, I would pretty much, I'm pretty much um, known for like deconstructing things. So I would literally deconstruct the hot dog, deconstruct it and configure it to something totally different to what it normally looked as, you know, the regular um, six, five inch long piece of meat that they put on a bun. Um, A hot dog is something that is very, very under, in my opinion, underutilized. Mm -hmm. You only see it during the summertime, or you see it every day on your table, hot dogs and beans. Yeah. People um, put it in their oodles and noodles or something like that. That's so,
0: wild specific right there. <laughs> right.
1: So um, it's, a hot dog is, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a canvas. It can be used in different, different ways because also, if you think about it, a hot dog is something that we commonly, like the sausage is a version of a hot dog. Yeah. And, and the sausage is padded is, meat is a version of a hot dog because of the casing and the process that it takes to make it. Yes. So there's many various, variations of a hot dog per se but just not just the, you know, the formalities of being it, the elongated
0: uh, looks. Yeah, so you you can deconstruct the glizzy as it were. That's that's what we're getting
1: at. Yeah, I, I can my <laughs> mind it gets pretty pretty advanced and I I I can deconstruct a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 Molecular gastronomy and all those, all that French techniques and stuff is definitely my wheelhouse and my arsenal of things that I do.
0: So so for those who who are uninitiated, molecular gastronomy, run that run that real quick for the folks out there.
1: Molecular gastronomy is a pretty much when you're using different additives to um, add flair to your food. You can sometimes overdo it, or or just right in the middle. So that entails foams, spherification, caviars, um, quenelles, different things of that nature. Also, you can turn. I can turn like um, balsamic vinegar into spaghetti. I can turn tomato tomato juice into caviar. Or I can turn it into a spirit that you can cut it open and it explode. I can turn milk into a um a spear and it opens up like a sauce. Um yeah. I can turn champagne into a caviar. If you look on my Instagram page, I turn um, it's a dish one that I did um uh, smoked tomato caviar on one dish. And then I did on, on a dessert, I did mango caviar on another dish. Yeah. And then I also do like different kinds of foams. It's just it just however you however you however you feel pretty much at a different level mm-hmm. of something to the dish, or you can transform something to taste like something else, but it is really like something else.
0: So that's that to me that sounds like food alchemy. Yeah, it's definitely
1: alchemy. It's definitely science because you can you can do it. Um, you can overdo it and it won't come out right, and then it's, sometimes you can just just right.
0: And and you know I kind of got the vibe of from from reading over your 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 bio and your website. Your food network person, and you know that that's that's a thing out there where people they, they they talk about people that overdo it too much that they're trying to get over that flare, but it's like it's not a lot of stake to that sizzle you're putting out there, and right. you kind of touched on it as well that you can overdo it. Yes, you can absolutely one hundred percent overdo it. You can
1: definitely overdo it to the point where you just lost it, and you just like
0: really disconfigured what you were trying to do pretty much in a sense. So what is, what is one of your earliest memories that kind of comes to mind when you think of your love of cooking or your love of food as, as overall?
1: I don't want to cry, but um, when I started cooking, I was like six and seven years old. Mm -hmm. And my first love of cooking was my grandmother getting up early in the morning, putting that pot of greens on or, or, getting up in, in the morning for whatever, cleaning those chitlins in the sink and mm-hmm. cutting them up and lining that baking pan with that uh, kind of upside down cake, Yeah, putting the brown sugar in the bottom, over the margarita trays and putting them in the middle of the pineapple rings. That was my, that's my first vision of food for me. Yeah, And then transcended to um, probably one of the youngest um, African-American um, young cooks to be with the Baltimore Book Festival. If you're from Baltimore, you're familiar with the Baltimore Book Festival. Back in the 90s, when I was featured with we like Chef Raymond Lagasse, Chef Marcel Honors, Chef John Shields that owned Gertrude's inside the Walters Art Gallery, and then um, Chef John Randall, who is like the pillar, one of the pillars of Creole Northern Cuisine. Mm-hmm. And those act, those things pretty much molded me to become who I am today. But I'm always will stand firm on what my grandmother taught me and the fundamentals that she, that she taught me of keeping food what it is pure love and never use and never lose the fellowship that food can create. Because she was my grandmother was big on family and she was big on helping each and every person, even if it's just a sandwich, yeah. if it was a cup of greens or a, a ham sandwich from ham left over from Thanksgiving or Christmas that she put made black eyed peas with. Cause you know, black eyed peas is a staple and for new year's Eve, you, know, you put black eyed peas and you put the ham bone from Christmas in the black eyed peas and you got a dinner with yeah. some, with some biscuits. You got dinner the next day. So all those different things um, plays a pivotal part in becoming who Justin, the curator is. That's my big, <laughs>
0: That's my that's my foundation. So I, I, I'm, I'm hearing when you, you touch on the greens, you touch on the black eyed peas, pineapple upside down cake. And, you know, all of that's like very familiar for me. You know, it, it's black. It's, it's rooted in like Southern cuisine or some people will call soul food or what have you. And Correct. so definitely we're on a, the same page. So how how is your view on food and its preparation changed from the time you started cooking until now? how the preparation of food has changed how how is your view on it like maybe sourcing ingredients and how you prepare them like let's say if you know are you making more trips to that farmer's market are you going more local when it comes to sourcing ingredients and Um, yeah things like that
1: me my i can speak for myself and i can give you two sides to it for myself i have never stopped that trip to the farmer's market. I've never stopped that, um, going an extra mile traveling to find the best products ever. Um, because I, I'm a firm believer of farm to table mm-hmm. firm believer you get what you pay for. And I'm a firm believer of giving each person, excuse me, the best I can possibly give them from start to finish. Yeah. So, and another point, um, a lot of people take shortcuts to do certain things. I'm not the type I'm not that guy. So um the process for food, I believe for the best product on a plate, you go the extra mile for it. You do whatever you possibly need to do to create the best plate you possibly can. No matter if you you know go to the farmers market on Friday on Saturdays and Sundays getting your tomatoes your herbs your microgreens your potatoes your asparagus whatever and getting um going down to the other side and getting the fresh fish and putting it all together to compose a dish i would i will go i would go for it it's going to cost you more but the respect and um love that you and the passion you put in this dish that if you eat it yourself or somebody, somebody else I promise you the the um the the appreciation will be there and it will definitely be respected.
0: That's key. Yeah, because because in, in, in some of the conversations I've had with different chefs or what have you, they they touch on it's it, it's their art form. It's not about, hey, I need to make X amount of money in this year or what have you. Money is important. Let's not let's not be, you know, too, you know, too pie in the sky about it, but also recognizing that. If you're getting into that, it's a service industry, it's hospitality, it's, it's, it's right. art. It's you putting out your feelings, your emotion, your pride, your heart, all of that stuff on a plate. And it's not right. about, I need to make that bread. Cause if we were all in it, or if all chefs were in it purely for you know those margins and increasing those margins, then it goes to what you touched on a moment ago, the quality starts going down. How can I mass produce this? How can I stretch this? How can I somehow sully, What this is and what the reasoning you may have gotten into that culinary field, right? To to pursue money and it and it suffers you into hating yourself a little
1: bit. You're you're definitely gonna feel it. Yeah, feel it, and you can be like, "What the heck did I just really do?" You start questioning yourself, like, "Why did I
0: really do this?" So. It, when it, when it comes to your, your dishes, you touch on the Southern stuff, that as we mentioned earlier, you know, and, and maybe I'm out there reaching for myself a little bit, but, uh, what is your favorite dish to create? I don't have a favorite dish. Okay. Um, I don't have a
1: favorite. I get this ask this question a lot mm-hmm. and the process of opening this restaurant, that's going to probably be the the biggest thing that, that I'm um, constantly asked. Yeah. Um, I don't have a favorite thing to cook because I love food in its entirety and its pure and raw and form. Sure. I, I cannot be so selfish to one thing to the point where I lost the love of everything else. That's legit. I can't say that I love making this snapper dish or well, I love cooking soul food, I love cooking seafood because it, I, my mind is tunnel vision and I don't expect anything else. Mm-hmm. That's just like this is like we, we, when you go to school, you go to college. Your major is this, but guess what? You're touching other areas that cultivates your major to be to bigger what it is. When I went to culinary school, I didn't understand why I had to take English classes and math classes when I'm going to school to cook. It didn't make sense to me. Right. But at, when I after after everything settles, like oh, it makes sense why I need you know to write a paper on jarhead and still go to cooking one-on-one cooking one-on-two and French pastries. It made sense in the, at the end. So, um, yeah, I don't have a favorite thing to cook. I love all things to cook. I
0: probably do cook more of a certain style more than anything. So with, with that, that style, I, I was, it was more of a, so with that style, why, what style is it and why does it resonate you, with you more than other styles?
1: Um, the style, I am, I'm classically French trained um, chef, curator, if you will. And that style has resonated with me for a very long time because of the precision and the discipline that it requires you to have. Anybody can do certain things, but I love the discipline. And the respect of the brigade system that Augusta Escoffier established for us to have. So I am more prone to the discipline that it provides in the kitchen town. So I am doing, I'm still doing the, the soul food as, as, as a sense, the um, the Italian, the um, the Polish, the Mediterranean, the Ethiopian, the African. I'm still doing all of that including the molecular gastronomy, but I'm still doing it in the ramifications of the classical French techniques.
0: That, that makes sense. Let's let's uh, let me shift to this question. Since I touched on it earlier, you, you mentioned Emeril Lagasse um, and it, I, I watched a lot of Emerald live back in the day. So this is, this is definitely going to be a food culture or a food, pop culture uh, kind of oriented question. So, you know, pop, you know, food network, food is converging with TV and that whole thing. So, yes. Now, now, based on your previous answer, this might be a little bit of a hard one, but if you could cook with one celebrity chef, who would it be and what would you make?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so I, I for before I answer the question, I I I um have a couple favorite chefs that I watch pretty much two to three times a week on Netflix and Insta- on YouTube. Yeah. So the choice will def- definitely definitely have to be between uh chef grant atkins that, that owns a <clears throat> chef Curtis Duffy of Ever mm-hmm. and uh oh, oh my goodness. uh and um I would like to get in the kitchen with um Chef Kwame Onaji. Okay. So out of those three, I will have to say Grant Atkins. Okay. Why? Because he is a thinker and he thinks outside the box to the point where you really can get a headache. <laughs> and he and he pushes himself to be the best for his team. So they push him and they push each other. So I don't would even imagine He he already created the flying edible balloon. <laughs> so I'm I'm on the I'm on the brakes of like, you can't do anything. If he does anything better than the the, uh, the flying edible balloon, then yeah, he's he's killed it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I would I would pick red eggs. I definitely
0: would. And uh what would you try to make with them? I'll cook an egg sandwich. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I dig uh, it, I dig uh, it.
1: I would I would do whatever he wanted, I would make it. Like real straight up, I will make whatever he, I will make whatever whatever he thought it was. Cool, I make whatever, even down to Cardinate Days, I'll turn in
0: potato. It didn't matter. So, all right, all right then. How about this one? How about this one? This is another one because based on what you said, I feel like it's a show that would be perfect for you on Food Network. And mm-hmm. you already know what it is. It's probably Chopped, right? I feel like Chopped is going to be because it's outside of the box or maybe guys' grocery game, something in that space of you're able to pivot and think on your feet.
1: Funny you said that. Um, friend of mine, Chef Station apps, um, She used to, um, we used to talk all the time, and she used to like just like throw throw ingredients at me on the, over the phone, <laughs> and would like um, say what I would make with it. She was like, she was like, wow, I never thought of that. So I can see me on Chop. Um, one of the um, one of the local um, chefs, Chef David Thomas, was on there, mm-hmm. and he's one grand champion. So I wouldn't be privy to going chopped, I wouldn't. But that's not my focus. I don't want. It. That's I wouldn't. I would be opposed to it yeah. if, if it presented itself. Presented itself, but that's not my lane. I, I, that's not my lane.
0: We had uh, uh, a few a few of the guests that I've had on here on this podcast have been on Chopped and Guy's Grocery Games. Jasmine Norton was on Guy's Grocery Games, and I mean Jasmine went to uh, middle school together. Yep, dope. And, uh, John Krieger was on, um, he has a uh, Fuzine down in, uh, in Fells was on right. uh, Chopped. Uh, that was when he was still up in New York, but he, he was on Chopped or what have you. And, um, it's always good to see a local person on there and kind of see what are they doing? That's going to be unique. Right. But the, 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 question I have for, so if you're going to be on Chopped, right. And this, and this might be, cause I, I'm getting the vibe. You're a very confident individual. And I like that. <laughs> My, what part, cause everyone has that stumbling area. So you get, the appetizer, you get the main, and you get that um dessert, right right, on top. so which ones going to be the one that that you might struggle with that might be the the biggest headache causer? probably probably the dessert i guess I can see that dessert's yeah. that kind of last thing yeah
1: yeah I would say the dessert because they would do something crazy and put like you have to make gooey duck a dessert, and I would like what but you like why?" <laughs> it was like why would I even do this? So I think um dessert will be the probably the thing for me. Appetizers are appetizers for me are easy because they're bite-sized a, a most boost type of operation. Main courses to me, a composed dish, if as long as you have the three elements, salt acid and heat, stuff like that, perfect. Dessert was probably be the one that stuck me. Mm. But um funny you said dessert. it's funny as you it stumped me but that was the first that was the first competition i won in culinary school um first year and i won first place bacon competition so yeah <laughs> so I, I i would say bacon would probably be the um toughest for me
0: and you have that that time limitation too you have to get very yeah. uh you have to be on your toes and, and figure something right. out but definitely what, what you were touching on when it comes to I look at, you know, you got the, you got the elements in there, you know, fat, salt, acid, you know, whatever. And you have all of that in there, but also it's a size thing. Like oftentimes yeah. you'll hear, this is not a appetizer. This is not an entree because they may have a good dish, but they may have something that works, but the size is off.
1: This is all about the size and what you put on a dish and understanding what works for it. It might work in your own restaurant per mm-hmm. se as an appetizer because that's what you like but in their eyes they're looking for something quaint for appetizers, something that it can pick up no more than one or two bites that's what they're looking for
0: now this brings me to the last question that I have before we get into shameless plugs and you know we like to do the plugs here uh okay. why with all of the experience all of the background and uh why, why Baltimore why, why be a part of the uh the food scene of Baltimore
1: I'm born and raised in Baltimore Maryland West Baltimore um I believe with my heart of hearts that the culture for Baltimore food scene has in the last couple of years has been kind of progressive in a way, but I believe that um, it can be better and to change face to what people normally would expect from Baltimore, if that makes sense. Cause you know, you automatically expect crab cakes, you automatically expect, you know, some type of chicken box mm-hmm. and understanding that. And, um, underst- but understand that's not the root really of Baltimore, in the sense of Maryland. And understanding how, understanding the food culture in Baltimore really was pretty much, was the, some of the sellers was Polish, it was Vietnam, and it was the Jewish, it was the Jews. And um, I learned, found that out once we did the um, the Mason Dixon Master Chef competition. Some of the first sellers in Baltimore was those guys, and understanding that, you know, food is food, food is culture, and um, I love the culture of what it brings to the table in Baltimore, and in its entirety. So I would always, um, I would always, you know, pay homage to Baltimore, whatever case in point. But I also would definitely move. And try my um, try my hand and opening a restaurant somewhere else. I, I definitely would. I definitely definitely would. Um, I've been talking maybe Texas, Virginia, Miami, even California. So that that is something that um, that I would look into. It would not be privy and against doing it. But Baltimore is home. Yeah, that's pretty much
0: that one. thank you that's that's good it's good to to have that insight um so now it's that point of the show where it's time to get into shameless plugs so social media website all of that good stuff i'm scared but what's what's that mean (laughs) yeah plug it plug your brand plug your website your socials all of that good stuff put people out there yeah
1: oh wow so i get to do my whole spiel okay um if you know me um well i'm i am justin the curator also they call me Eat that energy. Um, I am curator of everything culinary. Um, I have a brand called um, the Curator Taco. I also have Pallet Dining, which is a, um, a more upper echelon fine dining um, experience. Um, I have my own spice line called Black Soap Spices and Hot Sauce. You can purchase that on my website as, at justin.thecurator.co. Um, and uh, my newest venture, I am the um, executive chef and co-owner of the the garden restaurant rooftop restaurant and lounge in Baltimore in Baltimore Maryland um looking to open in the in the next couple months um yeah um that's that's pretty much that's pretty much the gist of it um opening opening this restaurant um the curated taco which I do on Tuesdays I do pallet Fridays on Fridays um, which mean um, I give you restaurant quality food, um, and you know you place your order, you pick it up for me. Um, sometimes there's um, drinks, sometimes there's dessert. You just gotta wait and see. Um, yeah. I've got my niche with the tacos. When I started, I started Taco Tuesdays at Motor House. Mm-hmm. So, um, if anybody familiar with Motor House, we did used to do Turn Up Tuesdays at Motor House. And um I started there, so that was in 2019. So I've been doing after we after, you know, COVID and everything like that. Um I still I still was active in the in the um Tapu of, of thing that I do now. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, go follow me on so, all my social media. Follow me on Facebook, Justin Holloman. Follow me on Instagram, underscore Justin, underscore the Curator. Also follow my, my both my business page, Underground Palette and The Garden Rooftop um, for all the updates to come for the restaurant opening that I'll be opening soon.
0: And um, yeah. So there you have it, folks. Thank, thank you for coming on, uh, Justin. This has been great.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate
0: it. So for the curator, Justin Holloman, I am Rob Lees, and it airs Tasty Treats, all types of good food in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.